Thank you for joining us today. You are moments away from a sermon by Pastor Hank Wilson, presented by Thompson Presbyterian Church in Thompson, Georgia. We are an associate Reformed Presbyterian Church that seeks to glorify God, grow in Christ, and go in His Spirit. You can hear this sermon and many others this time every Sunday right here on WTHO 101.7. You can also listen to sermons on our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. We will begin service again first at 11 in our multi-purpose building on our campus. Please come and join us and worship God with us in spirit and in truth again at 11 a.m. If you are unable to attend or not yet comfortable in joining us, please feel free to watch the service live on our Thompson Presbyterian Church YouTube channel every Sunday at 11 a.m. I thank you for being with us today. Now let us turn our attention to the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by looking at his holy scripture. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So if you are able, let's stand together and let's hear the word of God read from Galatians chapter 5. Showing honor and glory to, to our Lord and his word given to us by the Apostle Paul. Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 through 24. And I remind you this is the word of the Lord. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The grass withers, the flower falls. The word of the Lord endures forever. Thank you, may be seated. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to your word now, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would anoint these lips, lips of a humble preacher, uh, totally uh, incapable of presenting your word and its truth. Lord, without your strength, without your ability, without your spirit, these words are meaningless. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would use these words to pierce our hearts, to renew our minds, to strengthen our faith in you yet again, to remind us, to warn us, as Paul warns the Galatians, of this reality, this war within, between flesh and spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I started to do the beginning of the sermon with an impression of Bugs Bunny, but not able to get it correct all week, I will forego that and simply remind you of the cartoon character Bugs Bunny. You remember Bugs Bunny. You remember Bugs Bunny, whenever he had to make a moral decision, he was in a moral dilemma. What, what was always the scenario? It was always the picture. He had an angel on one side that looked just like him in a nice white robe and a halo, and a devil with a you know a pitchfork and a 
Spike's tail on the other side and the horns, and both of them were speaking into his ear, right? Trying to get him to go one way or the other to make a decision. The devil, of course, was trying to make him make the wrong choice, and every kid watching it says, you yeah, know, no, no, that's the wrong way. Don't go that way. And then the angel, of course, was making and Bugs Bunny always made what I would say is the wrong choice. Because he would always have to go later and say, well, the devil made me do it, right? And you could insert your character there. I think they did it with Daffy Duck and Yosemite Sam and all the characters. But the point is that there was this illustration of a morally neutral character in the middle and a devil and an angel on one side. Now. As a Christian, we know that's not how that works. We're not morally neutral. Actually, we are uh, enemies of God until God reaches down and regenerates us and makes us his children. And when that happens, then this picture that we see now takes on a new uh, scenario, a new, new picture, a new way of thinking. We actually can see this as a depiction of the war within. The Westminster Confession calls this the continual and irreconcilable war. A war between the desires of the flesh and walking by the Spirit. Notice those phrases in the passage that we read. In verse 16, Paul says, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Over and over, he pits the two and even says later that these are opposed to one another. The, the desires of the flesh and walking by the Spirit are actually total opposites. And if you've been a Christian for more than a minute, you know that internally you have this, this tug and this pull, don't you? You've been in that Bugs Bunny scenario where somehow, you know, God's truth is on one side and, and the desires of the flesh is on the other side. And you're pulled. And you've got to make a decision. Well, the bottom line is what Paul is dealing with and what he's been dealing with is if you're going to be left to your own you're going to go the wrong way. You're going to follow Bugs Bunny. You're going to have to come back later and blame somebody else. You're going to have to blame the devil. This war within is what we are being warned about today from the Apostle Paul. What Paul is uh, reminding the Galatians about. And what we are being warned about today. It's important for us to heed this warning for a few reasons. Number one, the first thing I want us to see is we often forget we are at war. We are, we are at war in our own self. You know, we've been isolated. We've been socially distanced. Some of us have spent uh, cabin time, you know, by ourselves or with our spouse or whatever it is. And, and we may think that we are removed from attacks by Satan or that we are removed from any evils. The reality is the war that we have is within us. A Christian, even though you are a child of God, still has this war within. You are not made perfect. You are not immune to these desires of the flesh. And sometimes we forget about this. Either it becomes just so normal for us, uh, or we just focus on other things. We forget about this war within. Think about King David for a moment. King David, one of the greatest kings of Israel. One of the uh, grand, great, great grandfathers of our Lord Jesus Christ. A type of Christ. A, a man that God made a covenant with. A king after God's own heart. 
This was King David, right? When you think about all of the glorious things that King David did, but do you remember what King David did with Bathsheba and the great sin that he had by taking another man's wife and then trying to cover it up? And if you're not familiar with the story, go to 2 Samuel 11, chapter 11. You can read this and you can understand what I'm talking about. But as David sinned against God, he then tries to cover, tries to cover it up. He tries to have your eye pull from the battlefield and, and go be with his wife. And ultimately having him killed. What a great sin. Somehow David had forgotten. He was called for a purpose. Turn with me over to 2 Samuel chapter 12. Do you remember what happens after this great sin? <clears throat> the prophet Nathan comes and confronts him, doesn't he? The prophet Nathan comes and says, you know what, let me tell you this parable. Let me tell you this story, David. And in verse 1 we read, And Nathan said to him, There were two men in a certain city, and one rich and one and." And one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little new lamb which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. They used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. How did David respond? Look at verse 5. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. David forgot who he was. He forgot about this war within. He forgot because we read here in verse 7, Nathan's response is startling to David. He says, you are that man. You are the man. And thus says the Lord, here's the judgment. And so now David is confronted with his own sin. David had somehow, the mighty man, the, the man who had fought wars on behalf of God's people and for God, forgot about the war within, forgot about the sin and the desires of the flesh. If you keep reading, I think what we see here more than David's sin is God's grace and his mercy extended to David. You can see how David wrestles with this internal war in Psalm 51 as he writes about his sin against God. Sometimes we forget about this war within, don't we? Maybe we think we're immune. Maybe we think we are as good as King David or greater. That we can't fall prey to any of this sin. The desire of the flesh, I'm not, that's behind me. I'm beyond that. Brother and sister, that's not true. As Christians, we still struggle with this war within. We're reminded from the Westminster Confession that these 
portions of, of our whole being are still tainted with this natural man. Even in regeneration, we have this natural <coughs> sin nature still within us. And unless God does something, unless God comes in and helps us to mortify that sin by giving us his spirit, then the consequences are great. Not only do we forget about this war within, we need to understand, secondly, the consequences of this great war. What are the consequences if I'm not aware of this and I'm not working on combating sin in my own life and turning to the Lord Jesus Christ to remove and mortify the sin in my life? What if I just go on being a Christian without even thinking about the sin in my life or believing somehow I'm immune? How many of you are familiar with Jonathan Steingart? Probably not very many, unless you read the news this week. Jonathan Steingart uh, is or was the lead singer of a Christian rock band, Hawk Nelson. And if you've never heard them, okay, not a big deal. You don't need that for this purpose today. But here is a, a man who spent years singing in a Christian rock band. Now, singing in a Christian rock band does not make one a Christian. I understand that. But this man professed to be a Christian. This man grew up as a preacher's son. He grew up in the church. And in a recent Instagram post, because I think this is where you do most of your confessing now, and it is on Instagram or Facebook or, yes, I know some of your confessions, uh, you never come to me directly, but you'll post it on Facebook, so I have to find it out through my wife. I get it. But this man does the same thing on Instagram. He comes and he puts this long address about how he no longer believes in God. That he was afraid to come out and go public with this information. But because he's no longer uh, the lead singer of the band, he's no longer a part of this group and it would not damage their music in any way or, or uh, his uh, relationship with, with the world, I guess, um, he was okay with bringing it out now. And so I read it and I was very intrigued by why he made the decision. He says, first, that it was a long process. He said it was almost like pulling the, the thread on a sweater. You just keep pulling, and over time, as you pull, you pull, you pull, it just starts to unravel, and eventually there was no sweater. And he said he talked to his dad, who was a preacher. He talked to uh, his father-in-law, who was a preacher. And he kept coming up with what I think are very um, easy questions to answer from a biblical standpoint. But he found no resolution. He says a few things I want you to hear and hear, hear clearly. He said, once I found that I didn't believe that the Bible was the perfect word of God, it didn't take long to realize that I was no longer sure he was there at all. Did you catch that? Once he realized the Bible wasn't the word of God, then it became a slippery slope. And over time, again, believe that God wasn't there at all. He talks about his relationship with his wife and how they grew up in the church and went to all these youth retreats and, and how they, you know, professed their faith in Jesus Christ. He said, but something wasn't right. Something wasn't enough. He said, we would, we just would, would go through the motions. This is what he said, and I quote, we didn't enjoy going to church. We didn't enjoy reading the Bible. We didn't enjoy 
praying. Sad, isn't it? Sad. How did we get to that point? I'm not here to say that this man in any way lost his salvation. Subject for another day. What I am here to say is that without um, realizing the war within and giving in to the desires of the flesh, you can see how easily over time one can turn away from the faith in Jesus Christ, can turn away from Jesus Christ and the gospel. That's what Paul was challenging the Galatians with here, right? Remember? We've been looking at this. He's saying, why are you turning away from the gospel? to the circumcision party, to these Judaizers? Why are you adding something in addition to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And at the end, here's what's interesting. Here's how he concludes his Instagram post. And I think this is probably the most sad portion of this whole thing. It's going to be 72 degrees here in San Diego. It's sunny here. It's a beautiful day. No sweater needed. We're not aware of the war within. We may one day end up reaping the consequences. Brothers and sisters, we need to be aware that we are always, as Christians, wrestling against the desires of the flesh. And we need to walk by the Spirit. Lastly, I want you to see we need this morning. You and I need to hear this today. Don't think you are above hearing this warning by the Apostle Paul. Because even after hearing it, some of us will justify our own sins. We do this on a regular basis, don't we? We're not as bad as those people. We're not as, uh, we're not as horrible as they. We're more of a saint. We're closer to heaven. Whatever it is we want to say about ourselves. Or it may just be something very subtle to justify our own sin. I remember one time when I shouldn't wait. I'm supposed to homiletics. I'm not supposed to say I remember if I have it in my notes, right? So I don't remember, but I'm going to tell you a story. The story is about a time that we moved into a house. Now we moved a bunch, so it doesn't really matter the details. But here's the story. We moved into the house. We got there like on Thursday or Friday, and I had to go to work on Monday, and so I had a lot of things to get done over the weekend. And there were things that were prioritized for me that I needed to get done. And so I justified working on those things even on Sunday, the Lord's Day. I built a swing set for my daughter on the Lord's Day. I started early. And I was very quiet. I didn't bother anybody. And, and somehow this nagging feeling in my, in my gut was just bothering me. And then my neighbor pulls up. He gets out of his car, all dressed up. I know where he just came from. It must be lunchtime, because he just came from church. And I can't run in the house and hide, because that's what I wanted to do. And he waves. And I wave back, and I hang my head, and I walk to the fence. And I say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be doing this on the Lord's Day. You know what his response was? Oh, that's okay. You're not under the law anymore. Oh, 
thank you. I'm excused. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. He doesn't think I'm a pagan. Whew, dodge that bullet. And then as I walk away, I'm thinking, no, I'm not a real law. See, that gives me a different perspective. As a Christian, not being under the law, Paul points to this, means that I'm free not to sin. I actually have conviction to say, I need to be in the house of the Lord on this day rather than working on a swing set or unpacking boxes. And that's the Holy Spirit working in me. Whereas the pagan would have just said, yeah, great, whatever. I don't know what you're talking about. But we tend to justify our sin, don't we? We like when other people are picked out in their sin point out sin. We do that well. When our sins are pointed out, even in our own heart, the Holy Spirit convicts us. We try to justify it. This is a serious warning. The warning that Paul gives in Galatians is one in which we are turning away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we aren't willing to deal with the war within, to, to realize how close we are to the desires of the flesh. Look at the lists that he gives in verse 19 through 21. Now, we look at this, and you heard me read it. Some of you shuddered a little bit, a couple of words, I know, as we think, ah, that, that's, those, are, those are strong words there, preacher. It's the word of the Lord. In verse 19, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. First of all, you know what they are. If you are a child of God, you know what these mean. You know these before you even read the list. But this is what they are. Sexual immorality. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry. Now, most of us could stop right here and we could say, whew, dodge those bullets. We're good. Pure, I'm a Christian. Sorcery. There's a whole sermon I could preach on sorcery. Those things that seem neat, the mystical things that we buy into, even in our own terminology and language, which are not Christ-like. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Okay, hold on, preacher. Now you're getting close to home. Fits of anger. What? How many of those did you have this week? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I know how many I had. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Envy. Then he goes back to the bad stuff. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now, Paul lumps all these things together. You would think, you would think that it would be nice for us to have a, a certain degree of which of these sins would be worse, right? Which, which, which should I really look out for? Okay, I dodged all those, but these over here we, we can dabble in. See, we're already, we're already starting to justify it, you know? But Paul lumps them all together, not necessarily to say that they're all the same. They all have the same consequences. No, what he's saying, though, is they are sin. And they have the same effect that they turn us away from obedience to God. That they are an affront to a holy God. Let us not be convinced that we are not as bad as we should be. That might be where we would like to go. There's a fine line between protest and a riot. I thought about that this morning. I'm, all, I'm okay with protesting. Done right 
done peacefully? Not necessarily a bad thing. But when it becomes a right, then something's wrong. Sin can do that as well. You can justify it. You can say it's not a big deal. You can overlook it. But if left unchecked, may become a riot. Things may get destroyed and burned. So what do I want us to get from this today in closing? I want us to understand here uh, that we are to heed this warning. We're to heed the warning of Paul to say we need to be walking by the Spirit and aware of the desires of the flesh. This remnants of corruption this continual and irreconcilable war within is a real thing for the Christian. It is something that we are going to deal with for the rest of our lives. It is something that we are going to struggle with daily, some of us minute by minute. We need to be aware of it. Paul is warning us because he wants us to be aware. He wants us to say, put it on the forefront of your mind, put it at the top of your heart so that you are aware that there are desires of the flesh and they're at the surface they're right there at the top and none of us are immune how easy would it be for us rather than coming back together today to say you know what I really like that live stream thing pastor doesn't know if I'm even watching he doesn't know if I'm listening all he knows is I'm logged in and it's all good. How sad would it be if we didn't come together and take part in what God has established in these means of grace through his church for us so that we can avoid these desires of the flesh. And one of the tendencies and one of the fears that I have for the church is that some of us really might like being away and isolated so much that we might enjoy it and stay away from what God has ordained and established it. Dr. Holmes, that would be my response to my ARP brother. That if they are afraid of the means of grace, then they have a bigger problem. Because God has established for us to come together and to experience the praying of his people, the preaching of his word, the gathering, the fellowship, the sacraments, all of those things established for us so that we may be strengthened in this war within. Brothers and sisters, if we deny that for ourselves, then we become like that lump of coal set aside on its own. Rather than being hot, we become cold and distant. Do you remember what the words of Jonathan Steingard were? He says, we didn't enjoy going to church. We didn't enjoy reading the Bible. We didn't enjoy praying. Brothers and sisters, I hope that is not us today. That we don't enjoy those things. Because if that's the case, then Satan has already won. And you've already turned from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rather than turning from Christ, Paul is warning, no, turn to Christ. Look at how he concludes in verse 24. Those who then belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. If we are not seeking to be in the means of grace and seeking our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to mortify the sin and the desires of the flesh, then Satan has already won. 
we too may find ourselves quoted on Instagram or on Facebook saying, I just don't enjoy going to church or I just don't enjoy reading the Bible. I don't enjoy praying. A prayer is that we heed the warning today. That we begin to turn to Christ once more. Open our Bibles. If this is a continual and irreconcilable war within, how often should we then read our Bible? How often should we be praying? How often should we be in church? Taking communion and soaking up the means of grace. And the answer is continually. We should be doing this more than even we do. I don't say this to chastise you because you're here. And I'm glad that you're here. But even this isn't everything. What do you do during the week? How do you go to the Lord in prayer? How many of you continued family worship in our time of isolation? How many of you continued growing in Christ in your Bible reading and your prayer time? Because if you didn't, You're behind. The good news is Christ offers forgiveness and gives us an opportunity to start even today. Turn to Him. Turn away from the desires of the flesh and turn to Jesus Christ. That's the warning. What I ask that we be people who seek to walk by the Spirit and not desires of the flesh. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for your word and your truth. We thank you that you give us your spirit, that you do not, do not leave us alone to try to figure all things out on our own. But because your spirit, spirit dwells within us, all of heaven is given through Christ to empower us to overcome sin. And we turn to Christ and walk by the Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now let's receive the benediction and let's be dismissed. Flock of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the Lord your shepherd refresh you in your daily places. Stand beside you in your dark places. Provide for you in your dangerous places. And welcome you into his dwelling places, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to support the ministry of Thompson Presbyterian Church and the spread of God's word, we would ask that you consider two things. First, consider praying with us. Pray that God would use his word to impact the lives of his people and to draw the lost to himself. As he says in Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Secondly, we would ask that you consider giving financially. You can support this and other ministries by giving through our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. Just go to the giving page and follow the instructions. You can also give through the Faith Life app on your smartphones. Simply go download the Faith Life app and sign up. Another way to give is to simply text GIVE and the amount to 706-250-6834. Again, that is 
706-250-6834. Lastly, you can simply mail in your check, your support to Thompson Presbyterian Church, P.O. Box 398, Thompson, Georgia 30824. I would like to invite you to come and join us for worship on Sunday at 11 a.m. We are located at 607 Jackson Street in Thompson, Georgia. Feel free to check out our website at thompsonpresbyterian.org for all ministries and event details. You can also call us at 706-309-0213 or email us at churchoffice at thompsonpresbyterian.org. Thank you for listening today. Now receive God's blessing. And now the Lord who has loved you with an everlasting love, may he support you all your days with the everlasting arms until the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow. Amen.